The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 303, friends. I am Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Galton of bleedinggreennation.com. Um, the Eagles played a game yesterday, Sunday. We're recording this on Monday, eh, mid-afternoon, 2 o'clock or so. Um, and they won, and they wrapped up the one seed in the NFC playoffs they, of course, also won the NFC East. They get a first-round bye. They get a home-field advantage at the playoffs. A little later than uh, some of the fans would have hoped. Would have hoped they took care of business either in Dallas or at home against the Saints a week ago. They could not do that. But they finally get it done against the Giants' backups. Brandon, what's going on, buddy? How are you? And where can I find the finest meat snacks in the land? When does afternoon end for you? When does evening begin? That's a great question. I've always kind of felt that it's like four-ish. Mm. Four o'clock would be my answer. Four o'clock is when the evening begins? So it's like four or one? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Five could be a – I think five could be a good answer. That, yeah, that's, that's a great like family feud right. question. There you go. On like the – on like the – like not during the – when fast like, money you know, is going down the line. About. Yeah. In, in the final round. Yeah, fast money. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, it could be dependent, too, when it gets dark, right? You know, I think because uh, like four o'clock in the summer doesn't feel like evening to me, especially for sure. If that's true. It's getting dark at like nine. Like that's not you're not, you're not in the evening at four. You're still in the afternoon. I still I think four I'm is, in winter mode right now. That's probably yes. why I said four. Yeah, I think four is still a little early. I think five maybe. But um, I'm not sure. It's tough. I mean, it's all afternoon. I think five. I think five is the better answer. I'm, okay. I'm swayed by your analysis. You know, that's when the workday ends, too. It's like, all right. I mean, for most people. Yeah. Uh, all right. Anyway, right to selling craft jerky. The Eagles fueled up, Jimmy. I have it on good, uh, good authority <laughs> that the Eagles were just fueling up on right to selling craft jerky. They went to right to selling. Well, I don't know if they went to right to selling.com and use discount code BGN15, but hey, they could if they wanted to, and they could save mm-hmm. 15% when they use that discount code. So kind of a weird clinch for the Eagles, Jimmy, in that. We were waiting for this to happen for three weeks, and it was not very climactic. Climactic, climactic. It was anticlimactic. Yes, and yeah, climactic. Yes, 
And some of that is like, or a lot of it is that is a credit to how special the season is <laughs> that they set a franchise record for wins. So it's kind of weird to me. It's like they, they were so good that they put themselves in a position where they clinching the number one seed could not be all that exciting. Like, that's kind of crazy to think about that to me yeah. at least on, on both ends. But to me, my short takeaway, my like, you know, thousand foot view, whatever takeaway from this Giants game is doesn't matter in terms of style points. They won the game. They got the one seed. No one seemed to get seriously hurt. That's that's all that matters to me. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. Like on your first point, they built up such a big cushion that they allowed themselves some level of failure mm-hmm. before <laughs> before. I mean, even like the slightest possible thing could go wrong. I mean, I mean heading into the season like the the ultimate regular season goal regular season goal is to get the one seed like there's nothing there's nothing really higher than that aside from the regular you know going like undefeated or some kind of you know unrealistic nonsense right so like they they had that basically wrapped up three weeks ago and then like you know as we saw they didn't take care of business and then they take care of business again and then even in the last week i was like okay well they're playing backups like of course they're going to win this game Maybe a little closer than uh, some of us were anticipating. And, um, you know, it kind of came down to, I guess you could say, an onside kick. Of course, if the Giants recover that, they still got to score anyway. But, um, yeah, you know, I'm with you on the on the style points point as well. Uh, would you like to have seen them blown out the Giants backups? Sure. Does it really matter that much? Not really. They took care of business. They can breathe a sigh of relief. They can take a uh, you know two weeks essentially to self scout, to get healthy, uh, to sort of refocus and understand that like you know your cushion's over and these games now I mean your 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 season is now game by game, um, and I think they'll I think they kind of fell into a little bit of a trap of you know being so far out ahead than the rest of the field uh, in the NFC and and maybe. Um, we're taking some of these games a little more lightly than they should have been. Uh, but now it's go time and uh, it's a veteran locker room and I think they'll be fine going forward. And I'm with you. Uh, you know, bottom line is, did you win? Yes. Take it, you know? And it sounded like Dallas got even admitted to what was some of you were just saying there about kind of just, yeah. they all felt like they were going to get the one seed, which isn't great if that's the feeling moving forward in terms of, Oh, we're just going to show up at the super bowl. Cause that's not how it works. Um, but I mm-hmm. think that's not necessarily what they're thinking right now. I think these struggles, if you call them that have kind of humbled them in a way. I mean, Jalen hurts seems certainly seems to be uh, in the mode as he is wont to do uh, to keep grinding. And Nick Sirianni, I believe was on WIP today and said that, um, it was a scheduled day off for players and coaches, as it should be, you know, following, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, a day after you clinch a bye and don't have a game even the upcoming weekend. And Hertz said he wanted to get some extra work in. So I think like Hertz, Dykin, and uh, Brian Johnson, the quarterback's coach, uh, went in today to get some more film work. Mm-hmm. Uh, overall, I thought this was a good game by Hertz relative to expectation. I thought he did a, a good job of protecting himself for the most part. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, was he as sharp as he ever has been as a passer? No, but I don't also don't think there's anything there that like seriously concerned me about him being hampered in the playoffs, especially given that he will get the chance to rest up a bit more and that the Eagles will actually be coaching, uh, with the kitchen sink available to them as opposed to just like this clearly 
conservative limited limited game plan where they just the priority is really protecting him and not getting him in Harden's way and even though they only scored 22 points I mean they got to the red zone five times so that's like that's pretty good mm-hmm. they weren't able to capitalize on um all of those only one of the five uh, but to get there I- I'm not really concerned uh, about much other than that you know okay if he doesn't heal up in these next two weeks sure that's going to be something to watch but right now, I believe the rest will help him. I think he was affected in both phases of his game by this shoulder injury, uh, both pa- as a passer. I thought that uh, he had inaccurate passes in this game that were more like, you know, 2020 and 2021 Jalen Hurts as opposed to 2022 Jalen Hurts. I think the shoulder affected him throwing. Uh, I think like on some of his deep balls, they didn't they weren't thrown with the same kind of power that we've seen uh, throughout this season. And then. Uh, as a runner, certainly he was affected. I mean, he was, they didn't call the same kind of game, the same kind of runs that they have all year. And, uh, anytime he did run with the ball, he got down. Anytime a defender came anywhere near him, uh, which was again, like you said, the smart thing to do. You don't want, there's no need to take shots in this game. And the way the, the Eagles called this game, they didn't put him, they tried to keep him from, um, from harm. And again, that was a smart thing to do as well. The one thing I will say about their game plan is, Why'd you have him drop back 35 times? <laughs> like, you know, he attempted 35 passes in this game. So I guess in that sense, they did a little bit put him in harm's way where you'd think they would have leaned a little bit more uh, on the run game. Like, I think we both thought they should have not to be like the run the ball guys, but um, I thought it made sense to run the ball a little more than than they did against uh, the Saints a week ago. And then maybe also in this game as well. Uh, and I'm talking more specifically about running the ball with their running backs. Um I thought actually Boston Scott looked really good in this game and uh, they probably could have, you know, fed him a little bit more. There were times where he was rolling and then they took him out um, after like only a couple of plays. So it couldn't have been that he was winded or anything like that. Um, kind of rambling here a little bit, getting off the Jalen Hurts topic, but uh, he showed toughness. He went out there and they revealed after the game that he's still hurt. Like Nick Sirianni said, he's hurting, you know, and of course, and he was almost kind of like, like, of course he is like, he's still sore. Of course he is. Um, so, you know, we'll see how that changes between now and January 21st or 22nd when they play their next game two weeks from now. Um, I, I imagine that he will be much, much further along then than he is now. I mean, keep in mind from where we are right now to when he originally got hurt was two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then we, you know, we go two weeks. What was it two weeks? No, I'm sorry. December it was, 15th. It was three weeks. Sorry. Yeah. The Bears game. So it was Bears and then. Cowboys and then Giants and or Saints and then Giants. So we were three we're three weeks removed from that injury. Uh, we have two we have two to go before they play another one. So um, yeah, I imagine that he'll be a lot further along then than he is now. Um, so I'm not too worried about it. I know I think uh, that whatever he is at that point, they're not going to call the same game plan. They're going to call the same kind of plan that, that they have throughout the rest of the regular season that have you know that is that won the ball games like he's going to be running with the football um and, and, and whoever they play in in the uh in the divisional round of the playoffs but um overall for Hertz you know love that he goes out and um is hurting and plays anyway and was willing to do whatever was necessary to win that game um don't love that the shoulder did affect him of course that's not his fault um he's hurt and he was just physically limited uh, but yeah, I, you love to see that kind of leadership from the quarterback position. And I think his teammates appreciate that. 
I agree with that. Uh, on the running game aspect, um, Miles Sanders has had his lowest snap count percentages of the season in back-to-back weeks. I think that's clearly mm. related to him having a knee thing going on, but also I think the Eagles are being smart and making sure that, you know, to limit his workload to make sure he's fresh for the playoffs. So I think that some of that explains why they're not super heavy on the run. I know they can still go to Scott and Gainwell, but those guys aren't, you know, bell cow kind of backs who are going to carry that workload. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think the Eagles want to overburden them to, God forbid, something does happen to Miles Sanders. They want to have those guys available to them. So, um, I, you know, I think he passed the ball a lot in part because if you're talking about wanting to knock off rust, you can't just, uh, Shane Hafsett on the BGN post game show. You can't just have him hand off all game long uh, if you're talking about yeah. knocking off Rust. So um, yeah, I don't know if he needs 30, 35, but he certainly, you know, they, they wanted to get him some level of work in this game, and they did. Mm-hmm. And again, nothing that I saw from him as a passer really had me worried about um, what he'll look like next time. Again, with the thought that he'll be able to rest, and then I think he'll be probably a better version of than he was. I'm, I'm guessing leading up to this week's game, he was limited in practice all week. I'm guessing by the time the Eagles play their next game, he's going to be able to get some full sessions in, but we'll see. Um, yeah, I mean, he's played a game. So, like, sure. that's uh, on a different level than being a full participant in practice. Um, but, yeah, you you had also mentioned that uh, they, you know, they they broke a, a team record for number of wins uh, in a season with 14. They also broke a record for the most points uh, in a single season. I was actually surprised that, that the previous record was the second chip year in 2014, which maybe shouldn't be that surprising because all that was bogus because like they, they had the tempo up tempo offense and they, you know, each team would have more, more possessions, like two or three more possessions per game than, you know, the average NFL team. They also had a, uh, like, so a lot of a, uh, anomalous amount of like defensive and special teams touchdowns that year, like a crazy amount. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. I remember that too. I think they had like six, I think, or like something eight, like that. Something. It was a lot. Okay. Yeah. Um, so they broke that record. And then of course, uh, AJ Brown breaks the record of, uh, receiving yards in a season, uh, originally held by friend of the pod, Mike quick, um, for who had 14, 1409 receiving yards, by the way, in a season in 1983, there's not like 1400 yards in today's no. game. 80, in 1983, that's like, you know, 17, 1800 yeah yard kind of season like we're talking like cooper cup last year kind of numbers he was a star in in his day uh but aj brown breaks his record he now sits at 1496 uh 11 touchdowns 88 catches for him on the season 17 yards per catch yeah which is a very good number for for aj i mean that's kind of what he's done his whole career but i think the perception of him locally here when they first traded for him was you know he's a guy that you get the ball to in the short to intermediate areas of the field and he breaks tackles and gets yards after the catch. But no, like he's, I mean, yes, he does yes. that, but he's equally <laughs> a threat deep down the field. Yeah. Uh, and he had a big catch deep down the field, deep down the field against the giants. And he's done that all year as well. Um, this receiving core, by the way, I mean, these, this receiving duo of AJ Brown and Devonte Smith is in my opinion, the best Eagles receiving duo duo ever and by a wide margin at that. I mean, you look at just what those two guys have done this year. Devante has what? Uh, I don't know how well, he's had a franchise record finished for wide receiver catches for what, what did he end with? 90. I forget two new record. 93, 94, maybe and he should have had another uh, touchdown he was, catch that was wiped off the board. 
Yeah, and he was just under, I think, or did he did he get over twelve hundred? He's right around twelve hundred yards uh, for the season. So AJ Brown's right around fifteen hundred yards. Devontae Smith is right around twelve hundred yards. They've been awesome all year, and that's one of the strengths of the team now. Which you know, in recent memory, wide receiver has always been mm. one of the you know very obvious weaknesses uh, of this team. So they really turned that around pretty quickly in two years. Uh, hats off to Howie Roseman for doing what was what was necessary there. Yeah, AJ could have had a bigger game too. Uh, some of the, th- the throws that Hurts missed were some deep shots to him, just a little too much mm-hmm. on it, a little overthrown. Devonte, I mean, this has, it feels like it has to be one of the more impressive wide receiver two kind of seasons around. I don't know, yeah, in history, but like it's it's. I mean, he's great. He's he's awesome. It's it's overshadowed some of his success by AJ Brown, understandably. But I mean, yep. he was he was great this year. Um, and I think there's a kind of a theme going on here with not just the wide receivers, but a bigger theme in terms of all these records and stuff. Is like, don't take this for granted. Like, this is not coming around every year. The Eagles have, right. you know, certainly been a lot more successful than a lot of teams like the Browns or Lions or even the Cowboys in terms of playoff success. Whatever, um, at least since 1995. Um, so not, mm-hmm. you know, unheard of, but I mean, some of these things they're doing, it's, it's crazy. And I, yeah, I know there's a 17th game, but still like, this is, this is a special season. Don't take it for granted. And that's, that's one of the things too, going back to why, um, I just, I like spare me the consternation about a game where you win by six points to clinch the one seed. Like you're the one seed, you're 14 and three. And that doesn't mean yeah. you can't complain about anything and it doesn't mean that the Eagles don't have legitimate concerns entering the playoffs. Like, let's keep it in perspective, folks. Like, <laughs> they're fourteen and three. Don't do not take that for granted. Like, if because you can't just. It's not just about the. It sounds cliche, but it's not just about the destination. I know this team. You know, there's a lot of pressure, and it will be disappointing if they don't win the Super Bowl. But you have to enjoy the ride too. You can't just like brush that aside. So uh, I would say take take uh, don't take it for granted. Appreciate Devontae Smith and AJ Brown because you don't you, you never know how long any of this stuff you know could last. Um, they had seventy sacks on the season. Yeah, they have four guys with double digit sacks in Hassan Reddick sixteen, Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham, Javon Hargrave, each with eleven. I think, mm-hmm. um, but they have seventy sacks on the season. They're two short of the all time NFL single season record of seventy two by the eighty four Bears. <laughs> that doesn't come around either. Like, so they they have all these records that they're setting on on both sides of the ball at that. Uh, so yeah, I'm with you. Like just uh, I, I think that it, it is worth. Taking a taking you know Take sort of taking a moment to 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 appreciate sort of the I mean when this team was rolling <laughs> during the regular season it almost got to be boring at some mm-hmm. point and uh, it shouldn't be you know like it, when when the team is is dominating and and they're very clearly the best team in the NFL I don't think they're the, they're the best team in the NFL right now um, the way that they're playing right now but you know at certain points of the season they have been and certainly they can be that again if they get hot again in the playoffs and they're as they're as viable a super bowl contender as any other team in the league and, and they could certainly get it done uh particularly now that they have this one seed wrapped up home field advantage uh in the first round by so um yeah it's it's it, there's a lot to appreciate about this team even if they kind of finished in on the low note with two losses and then one very unimpressive <laughs> win against the Giants backups. Uh, you, I think you can overlook that and sort of appreciate the season as a whole. I think I have like three quick hitters to end this first segment uh, from the game still. Okay. That's one. 
Chauncey Gardner-Johnson returns. Yep. Played all the snaps, so I think that's a really good sign coming back from a lacerated kidney. I mean, ideally, the Eagles wouldn't have had to play all their starters the whole game, but if they were, at least he was able to handle that. And I liked how the Eagles decided to keep him on the field at all times and rotate him from safety down to the nickel cornerback position, as we said, was mm-hmm. probably their best approach. Uh, Reed Blankenship yep. then playing at safety when CJGJ would drop down. And then Josiah Scott didn't play a single defensive snap at all, which I think is, you know, probably yep. the right move. So uh, I thought that was good to see. That's my first quick point. Anything on that? Okay. <laughs> no, I agree. Like we, we all thought, not we all thought, me, you and I thought that um, CJGJ would play the slot and Blankenship would play safety. Mm-hmm. And they did it the right way. Like he started at safety and then in nickel, he played the slot and Blankenship played safety. I didn't know that Josiah Scott was going to play no snaps. Sure. Uh, but I certainly thought that Reed Blankenship would out-snap Josiah Scott, and he did that and then some. And he should. And, you know, I think there's two schools of thought. You could be like, well, why did they show this here and not save it to the playoffs? But you could also say, you know, it's it's good to show it here in terms of you're getting um, guys, you know, you're, you're building, you're working through the chemistry and any adjustments that you might want to get to as opposed to just going in cold into the playoffs. Um, my, Let me guess your next quick header. Yes. Slay. I was going to bring him up last, um, but yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to fully make of Darius Slay uh, in the second half of the season. I kind of went on a little bit of a rant on him uh, after the Cowboys game, and I just don't really know if this is you know captain like behavior when you're throwing your teammates under the bus, if not directly, mm-hmm. then very much like subtweeting them basically. Um, and not to say Slay like hates Josiah Scott, I don't think that's the case. But again, <laughs> you're kind of throwing him under the bus by saying it's not my fault. I just don't think that's the best look. I don't think it's the best look that after the game on Sunday, someone was critical of him, didn't even tag him. And I didn't even think it was that crazy, like, of a, it wasn't that even. You don't want to see Slay smiling after a bad play, I think was it, right? I guess, maybe, which, what? Some, it was something like that. But whatever, the tweet wasn't even, I thought it was relatively tame. And then, like, <laughs> right. Slay's, like, threatening, like, to fight the guy. And I joked to you and Dan and Dave, you call him Darius Quay, because, you know. Quay Walker trying to fight the Lions training staff over here. Um, like, I don't know. I mean, part of that's display. He's kind of, you know, he's he's uh, maybe the best way to put it is like uh, fires off tweets while making a hot pocket at the microwave kind of guy. Like what you used to say about LaShawn McCoy when he would just tweet yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. He's not really like putting a lot of thought into it. Um, yeah, so I, I yeah. acknowledge that. But again, you're wearing the C on your chest. That means something. And I just think, you know, you expect a little bit more out of a team leader. And then even putting that aside, his on-play performance might be, you know, is, is the bigger concern. I don't want to say he's been terrible, um, but has he been, I feel, it felt, it feels like, and let me, you know, obviously give me your take on this. feels like he started the season really, really strong. Obviously that oh, yeah, great game yeah, yeah, against yeah. Justin Jefferson. He was Jefferson. stud, stud the first half of the season or his so. His numbers are still good in terms of pass rating allowed and all that, but like, Mm-hmm. I don't know. The feel in the second half of the season like is not quite that he's uh, playing like a Pro Bowl cornerback right now. Yeah, and you could say like, well, he'll turn it on in the playoffs, but we don't know that because he's always been on bad teams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was on that Lions team for a long time. They barely, I think they made like one playoff appearance. This is I his think, first division there. win, I think. Yeah, and then last year they went to the playoffs, but they were one and done so quick, yeah. and they were basically blown out in the first half of that game. So. um and the secondary struggled. It was more so them taking advantage of matchups with Mike Evans over Avante Maddox and stuff, whatever. We don't need to get into all that. But, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see sort of 
what kind of player he is in the playoffs this year. Uh, cause there's, there's a lot of good, there's a lot of really good wide receivers, uh, that in the playoffs that, that the Eagles could potentially face. Um, so yeah, I, I think that your point that his first half ish of the season was awesome. And again, not that he's been bad the second half of the season, but he hasn't been, he hasn't played to the same level that he was earlier in the season. And you know, it's maybe mildly concerning. Um, I'm curious when Avante Maddox is going to come back. Mm-hmm. I think they're fine with the arrangement of CJGJ play in the slot and blanket chip coming in to play safety when they're in nickel. But when they have their full secondary back there with Slay and Bradbury at corner, Bradbury made a lot of good plays, by the way, in that game yesterday mm-hmm. against his old team. He had a bunch of pass breakups. Um, Avante is a, a really, really good slot in the NFL, just has had trouble staying healthy. And then Epps and CJGJ on the back end, you can totally trust those guys, I think, at this point. That's an awesome secondary. Mm-hmm. So when Avante comes back, I think that just makes sort of everyone else in that secondary better. I agree. Um, so we'll see. But um, yeah, they need they need Slay to be sort of what he was earlier in the season. I mean, there was a point in the season where you go, you like you look at opposing wide receivers, and if they had you know great wide receivers, you're just like, so what? Like right. it doesn't matter because they have Slay and Bradbury, and I don't know that that's the case anymore. And you know, I, whatever you can say, it's a good throw by Davis Webb, a great catch by the receiver. Mm-hmm. It's Kenny Galladay. It's Kenny Galladay's first touchdown with the Giants. <laughs> he's like been very famously. He, he did. Huge... He did make a really nice play on that ball, though. <laughs> sure, but like he's. But my point is, you're giving up a touchdown catch to like this famously very bust free agent. You know, like it's 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 not the best look. That is wild that that was his first touchdown reception, by the way, so, as a giant in two years there. Not, they, they, I think it was what he signed a four four years, 70, 72 million, yep. I think it was. So, you know, it's just <laughs> – I'm just saying it's not the greatest sign. It's not press the panic button. But when you look at the bigger picture of it all, because that's what it goes to, it's not just that play. It's that – okay. And you and – you, it sounds maybe simple um, and not the highest level analysis, but you need your stars to be star players. And they're counting on Darius. You can't just – it's not just about like – Okay, Slay wasn't a liability. No, that's not you're, you're not paying him all this money to and, and making him a team captain to just be fine. You're paying him to be a difference maker. So he needs to be a difference maker mm-hmm. out there. That's the standard. That's something that I've gotten, you know, on Fletcher Cox about for years now. If he's going to be the highest paid player in the team, he can't just be like a good player or a very good player. You know, he needs to be like a star. He needs to be dominant. Anyway, um, last thing I had, Brett Kern. I mean, this dude just he's not good. Like, he's not a good punter. It's just clear that like he stinks. He shanked a punt last week at what, like a 29 or what, a 26 yarder. And then he had another bad punt in this game. Like, I just, I don't know if he's like able to play anymore. He might just be done. And I don't know if the Eagles are getting Aaron Sipos back. He's eligible to return from IR when the playoffs start. He had a boot on in the locker room yesterday. Yeah. I don't still, I don't know that he's ready. Like, it kind of feels like a mistake to me that the Eagles wouldn't have taken the opportunity to sign another punter on their practice squad leading up to the Giants game, give him a workout, like mm-hmm. a test, basically see if he's any good, see if he can do anything. Right. And then if he is, then roll with him as opposed to like, you just put current on the roster for like no good reason to me. I just, I don't, that's not that the Eagles are probably going to be punting a ton in the playoffs, at least, you know, hopefully. Uh, but like, I don't know. It just if seems they're going to make a run anyway. Yeah. It seems to me like he clearly just doesn't have it. I know it's been a small sample size, but he's been bad. He's been really, really bad. The one punt yesterday was particularly alarming because it wasn't even a shank and it went 29 yards. Like, it's not even like he hit it off the side of his foot and it went out of bounds or something like that. Like, it was right 
not right down the middle of the field, but it like it wasn't mm. it wasn't a miss hit, and it only went twenty nine yards. Yeah. Like it was to the to the point where like the returner was like running up and you know they're doing like that get away get away get away, and as he's sprinting up the field, it still landed like a good 10, 15 yards in front of like where he was when he was already running up. And I was like, man, how short was that punt? And then they say on the, on the thing, 29 yards. And it's not, again, it's, it's also in like a, a blasted away type situation yeah. where you expect like nowadays you're, if you're punting for distance, um, like, you know, punters will average like 45, 46 yards per punt, just generally speaking over the course of a season, but you know those numbers come down because uh you know you're punting in so many situations where you're you know, trying to pin them deep or whatever so you're sacrificing yardage for hang time or positioning or whatever when you're in like a blasted away like you're punting for distance kind of situation your punt should be consistently like over 50 yards <laughs> to hit one of those punts and hit 29 yards and it's not even a shank <sighs> very concerning and like again like you said they don't want to be punting anyway. And if they're going to make a Super Bowl run, they won't be punting a lot. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. I, I don't think uh, Brett Kern is, is, is a good punter anymore. And uh, there's there's a reason that he wasn't on a team mm-hmm. when Aaron Sipos went down. Yeah, and I just think, again, they should have done something to maybe look at another option before the playoffs began. But now they're with this. And by the way, it hasn't even been cold. It's not like, oh, it's been cold. He can't punt in the cold. Well, first of all, it'd be a bad excuse because the Eagles would be playing two home games before the Super Bowl, so that doesn't really matter. And two, it hasn't been, I didn't wear a jacket to the Saints game the other week because it wasn't cold. It was like, you know, mid-50s. Yeah, it was, nice it was, it was very nice out. So yeah. like, there's, it's, I don't want to hear that the weather is impacting him. That's just There's no good excuse other than I think he might just be done, which is why, you know, Titans cut him. So uh, that's a concern. But, you know, smaller relative to the bigger picture. All right. Anything else? I have two quick hitters myself. Yeah. Uh, these, this is not necessarily uh, relevant to the game itself, but it is relevant to sort of the – well, first of all, the Eagles, because they won the NFC East, they'll have a first-place schedule next year. Their, their opponents next year are – I mean, that looks like a rough schedule. So the, their 2023 opponents had a combined record of 161, 123, and 4. In 2022, so winning percentage of 566. I mean, some of the teams on this list are, um, well, the first place finishers that that like aren't part of the, you know, like the. So they'll play that first of all. They'll play the the AFC East, the whole AFC East. That's a good division, and then they'll play the whole NFC West, which uh, you know you have the Niners at the top. Um, the Rams will probably be better. Cardinals are going to stink and the Seahawks are probably be better. Um, but then like the, the three floating games, you get the Vikings and then you get the Buccaneers. Eh, you get the chiefs. <laughs> so the Eagles are going to be, they're going to be playing in Kansas city next year. Uh, but I imagine that five sixty six winning percentage will be, um, you'll probably like top three in terms of, uh, you know, hardest schedules next year. And then my other, um, uh, quick hitter was Howie Roseman. A little golf clap for him. Well, can I get into the schedule know... real quick? So I have a couple of thoughts on that. Yeah, go ahead. Howie. Yep. Um, Howie, who was texting Adam Schefter today. Um, <laughs> he goes play. The, uh, I saw that too. It's yeah. true. I know what you're talking about. It's just true. But anyway, um, I mean, you know, he's earned the right. It's fine, but it's just very transparent to me. Uh, 
so yeah, Jalen Hurts has to potentially take down Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen next year. Um, we have Andy Reid playing his yeah, third game. The Bills game. are on the schedule too. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, Andy Reid's playing his third game against the Eagles. The Eagles have not yet beaten him, so we'll see if they can do that. Mm-hmm. 49ers quarterback situation will certainly be worth monitoring this this offseason, what they do there. Because is it Trey Lance? Is it Jimmy G? Is Brock Purdy ride it all the way out? Uh, there's going to be the potentially uh, the battle of the Alabama quarterbacks. You got Tua versus Hurts, and you got uh, Mac Jones potentially, depending on what the Patriots do, versus Hurts as well. Um, Vikings to me not a scary team. They're like the prime candidate to be like step back team after going like eleven and zero in one score games. Um, Cliff Cliff got fired by the Cardinals, so we'll see them with a new head coach. Um, the Jets yeah. are trying to break the Eagles' all time uh, lead against them twelve and zero. So we'll see if they can do that. And mm-hmm. and they're an obvious team that is going to probably have a new quarterback. So we'll also pay attention to what happens there. And then you probably get the you're going to get the Rams, I, I think, without Sean McVay, and you could get the Bucks without Tom Brady. So, those are all my thoughts. Yeah. Uh, of the 17 games, 11 of those games are against teams that are in the playoffs right now. Mm-hmm. So and that's um, a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of teams in the playoffs. A lot of games against playoff teams. At least three teams this year who are like legitimate Super Bowl contenders this season, and the Bills, oh, yeah. Chiefs, and 49ers. Yeah, Niners, Bills, Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, other quick takeaways, you know, little golf clap for Howie and the trade that he made with the Saints because that lands at tenth overall. I don't. I I wonder what we. I know we predicted where we thought that would land before the season began. I want to say that I had it at like the mid-teens. I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs, but I thought they were going to be close. I didn't have. Ha- I didn't have it as high as ten. I think I said it was going to be um, a top ten pick. Did you? Okay. I don't know. Let me. So we, you know, we do over unders every off season, and I put those. Um, that might have been one up. of them. Yeah. Yeah, I believe it was. I'm looking it up real quick. I put those in polls on Bleeding Green Nation, so then the listeners can kind of play along too. Um, we both had it. Okay, so we set the. Either I don't remember who did it. It was either you or me, but the Saints 2023 20, first round pick draft position was set at 14 and a half. Um, the under being you okay. know, 14 or or from 14 up to one and then you know, otherwise uh, the over. Uh, right. We both took the under on that. So there you go. Oh, okay. I'm surprised I took the under on that. And the listeners took the under two just by 54%. So it was close. We, you know what? That may, that'll maybe, oh no, because well, I guess we'll do that show. The re, like we'll go through the over-unders yeah. Yeah. after the season is yes. over, over. Yeah. Okay. All right, so that's that's all I have for that for this game. All right. Well, why don't you tell me about Christian Roach of Roach Trailers, but not before I tell you very quickly again about Righteous Felon <laughs> Crafter, if you little sneak attack there. Um, RighteousFelon.com, discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. I know I say it a lot, but listen, I know a lot of people, genuinely, this is not just me, you know, like being a shill and plugging some kind of product I don't believe in. Um, I believe in the product. I know a lot of people who enjoy it. If you like beef jerky, especially like if you're someone who likes that and you're not getting this, I just think you're missing out because everyone I know who does like that, especially loves this. And if you don't like it or think it's not your thing, just give it a try because I think it'll surprise you and you can do it at a discounted rate by using discount code BGN15 for 15% off. And if you're looking to buy, sell, or rent a house, <laughs> you can call Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. I just went to, to lunch at Olga's Diner wow. with Kristen Roach and Stephanie Roach of RoachRealtors.com. 
thank you, Stephanie Roach, for picking up the tab nice. uh, on. I had what did I had. Oh, I had the uh, hot and honey chicken fingers with fries. Uh, and they were good. <laughs> anyway, if you're going to buy yourself, if you're going to buy or sell your home, 856-906-9295. And again, I've mentioned this in previous podcasts. Even if you're not looking to buy or sell your house, but you're curious, like what your house could fetch on the open market, uh, feel free to call Kristen Roach in that event too. She can give you some sort of home comps and give you an idea of like what it might sell for if you're looking to do so maybe down the road. So again, 856 906 Nine two nine five. Brandon, if you end up buying right to selling craft jerky, and you can prove this, and you buy or sell your house with Kristen Roach, I will officially <laughs> dub you like you're in an exclusive, you know, BGN Radio loyalist club. Like you're you're number one in that club if you end up doing that. So we got to figure out some kind of award that we can give yeah, that's an those award. folks. All right, back after this. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Back here on BGN Radio. Eagles are in the playoffs. They're the number one seed, so that means they get off this weekend. Nice little respite, if you will. Uh, a little a little bye week. You can sit back and see what else is going to go on in the NFC and the AFC as well. Jimmy, when it comes to the Eagles opponent in the divisional round, we know it'll be one of four teams. It'll be mm-hmm. either the Seattle Seahawks, who play first, in the schedule, they play the 49ers on Saturday. And right, so if they win, they're the Eagles yes, opponent. If they win on Saturday, we'll know instantly that they are going to be coming to Philly. And the 49ers are like nine and a half point favorites. So certainly not necessarily yeah, a... So not likely. Yeah. Likely, but hey, you never know. Playoffs Possible. are weird. Anything can happen. It's sure. still Brock Purdy. I mean, I know he's been good, but like, is it impossible that Brock Purdy could throw multiple picks and lose? Rookie neophyte. Yes. Quarterbacks have a terrible right. record in their point. first playoff game. Yeah, typically. So, you know, we'll see. And then Although that could be said of Gino though too, I guess. <laughs> Gino never played in the He doesn't have a playoff season. game, does he? I don't think so. Probably not. I highly doubt he has a playoff start. Not a start probably. He may have been on a roster at some point, but I'm not sure. Anyway, um then it'll be the I'm blanking. Uh, the, well, it's the 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 three six game in the NFC is Giants, Giants Vikings. Yes, that's what I was trying to think of. The Giants are. It, let me put it this way: the Vikings are three point favorites. A standard, yeah, three point favorite line. At least when I looked on Sunday evening against the Giants. Mm-hmm. Giants played the Vikings pretty tough last time. They went to Minnesota a couple of weeks ago. That came that game came down to the sixty one year old sixty one year sixty one yard field goal yard. <laughs> not year, uh, yard. So, yeah, that's anyone's game. And if the 49ers win, which we think they probably will, but we'll make our picks later in the week, 
then at that point, if the Giants win, then they're the team. Definitely, the Eagles would be playing right. in the divisional round. So that would be interesting to play them two times in three weeks. And then mm-hmm. if the Vikings win, which I don't feel good about, but if they do, then that means the Eagles are locked into playing the winner of the Monday night football game between the Bucks and the Cowboys. The Cowboys being, I believe, three-point road favorites in that one against Tom Brady, who mm-hmm. they've never, ever beaten before. So that's the the table setting there. I guess we should talk about how do you rank the teams that the Eagles could play in terms of most want to face in the divisional round to least want to face in the divisional round. Mm-hmm. Uh, should I just give my whole list yeah. or should we go one by one? Well, I guess, yeah, I guess so we'll, basically we'll, it's we'll a... start with our most uh, team that you want to see. Number one, we'll, we'll alternate. Yeah, so I would say that it's basically that exact order okay. <laughs> that you just laid out. So I think uh, the Eagles should be rooting for the Seahawks to be the 49ers for two reasons. First of all, it's just get the Niners the hell out of there. Sure. They are the best team in the NFC right now, in my opinion. They're, they got a 10 game win streak. Sure. Seven of those 10 games, they've scored at least 30 points, and their defense is awesome. So, yeah, get them out as soon as you can. Get the Seahawks at home. They haven't had a lot of luck with the Seahawks, uh, typically speaking, or just generally speaking, and certainly they lost. Actually, the last time they were – no, not the last time they were in the playoffs. They lost to the Bucks last year. But uh, the time before that, they lost to the Seahawks when Jadavion Clowney speared Carson Wentz in the head. <laughs> so, uh yeah, that that would be the team that I think is the weakest in this uh, NFC playoffs. And then the Giants uh, thereafter. And then in the Buccaneers-Cowboys game, I think that very clearly the Buccaneers are the worst of the two teams. Um, Tom Brady certainly is a good reason to you know fear them a little bit because of his extreme extensive – he might have more – playoff wins then i'd have to look this up i bet it's i bet i bet he does i bet he has more playoff wins than every other quarterback in the in the playoffs combined probably yes it's not like there's any old guard member in the playoffs like rogers or something <laughs> right although rogers hasn't even and even if there is he still has so many more playoff right. wins than everybody else anyway um and i bet it's by a wide margin too um, so anyway, uh, so there's a reason to, you know, not want to face that team stinks. The Buccaneers, the only reason to fear them is because Tom Brady. And then, um, the, of course the, the Cowboys are such a weird team. Like, I mean, that's a team that can, that can beat the Eagles. Certainly they've done it. They could beat the chiefs. Well, they could beat the bills starting. on any Sunday. What's that? Yes. With their backup quarterback starting. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, they can beat anyone. Like they're 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 talented enough to do it. But then they, but they're also like just wildly inconsistent. They can also beat themselves. Actually, yeah. Yes. Yeah. They. I mean, like we saw week eighteen. We didn't see it, I guess. Um, but they lost twenty six to six to the. I think he was what fourteen of thirty seven for. I want to say one hundred and twenty eight yards. 128 yards on 37 pass attempts. His long completion was 15 yards. He threw, first of all, he tried to throw a pick six to Kendall Fuller. Kendall Fuller tripped and therefore didn't make the catch. That would have been a pick six. Next play, he does throw the pick six to Kendall Fuller. He's thrown three pick sixes in the last four games. Um, Like, leads the league in interceptions. Despite 
it's despite despite missing five games. Or, yeah. <laughs> like he's tied he's tied with Davis Mills yeah. for the most interceptions in the mm-hmm. NFL. Um so they're a wildly inconsistent team. Uh I think the Eagles are you know better certainly than uh all four of these teams. I think they're significantly better than the Seahawks, Giants, and Buccaneers. I think there's maybe a little bit closer of a margin between them and the Cowboys. But that's the order that I would have it. Seahawks, Giants, Buccaneers, Cowboys. Yeah, I might have uh, – oh, man. Hmm, it's tough. I think I might have the Giants first, actually, because I just think their okay. talent is limited and they're banged up. I know they're like – I think they'll give you a fight because they're feisty. The Giants might be able to cover, but I just think sure. there comes to a point where they just don't have it. They don't They don't have enough there yet. And and the Giants in the future scare me because I think they're going to add more talent and that'll be a more formidable team. But I still think where they are right now, I mean, we saw the Eagles blow them out earlier this year. I'm not saying they couldn't stop the Eagles when Jalen Hurts was healthy. Yeah. And I, their run defense has been an issue. And I think if the Eagles, you know, are trying to seriously beat them, it would not look like it did against the backups in week 18. Mm-hmm. It would look like more, a little bit more like, if not a full on blowout, just like, you know, the Giants having a lot of trouble with the Eagles rushing attack. So Probably the Giants number one. Um, I because I, I can't put them over. I can't. I can't put them over. I can't put the Bucks last. I can't because Tom Tom Brady is not an irrelevant factor. He's a very. It's a very terrifying factor. I know that team stinks. The Bucks are seventeenth in DVOA and twenty fifth in point differential. They're not a good team by any. They're just a below average yeah. team at best. Um, so I'd probably put. I'd probably put the Seahawks next though because. Um, they're 10th in DVA, they're 13th in point differential. Haven't been playing well lately to end the season. Uh their their like one quality win really was over the Jets there and who have also really, you know, faltered late in the season. So maybe I'm kind of giving them too much credit. Cause then I'd put the Bucks just because of the Brady factor. Um and by the way, I know a lot of people like weren't concerned necessarily about having to play Aaron Rodgers. I was. I don't want to, again, I don't want anything with these old guard quarterbacks who like might be able to just, you know, suddenly, <laughs> especially, hey, hello, people, think about who they're going up against. Like, do you really trust Jonathan Gannon's defense, which has been good this year, but do you really like yeah. fully trust Jonathan Gannon to take care of Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers? Like, sure. no, I don't have that level of trust. I, I trust him a little bit more against Geno Smith um, and Daniel Jones. Uh, and then the Cowboys, obviously, at the top. They're sixth in DVOA, fifth in point differential. Really interested to talk to RJ this week for the NFC's mixtape and get a sense of what was going wrong because Cowboys were trying to win that game. Like, like if the Eagles mm-hmm. slipped up, then they they could have won the NFC East with a win and at least gotten the two seed. Uh, the 49ers won, so they would not have been able to get the one seed. Um, but still, like they were not, and they weren't like resting guys. And the and the Commanders were the Commanders were resting a number. We talked about that before the they game. They started Sam Howell. Started Sam Howell. Like <laughs> a, 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 like John, I don't think Jonathan Allen was playing. They put Gibson on IR. No, he was inactive. Yeah, they yeah. had like a number of key players who weren't even playing in that game. So that's I'm not going to say it means everything because I would be kind of hypocritical of me when I just said that the Eagles not playing well doesn't mean you know a ton and they won but it's like it's a little weird and it's also like a big margin that they lost by and the Dak interception problem doesn't seem to be going away so I would not just like assume that's gonna stop in the playoffs all of a sudden maybe it will so yeah I'm gonna rank it in terms of by the way if they if if they do get to the divisional so let's say the Cowboys are the Eagles first playoff opponent uh, the Cowboys will have that will be the Cowboys' fourth consecutive road game. Mm. Um, maybe more closer to like third because the 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 first 
road game in that stretch was a Thursday night game. So it's you know they were home. Had a mini and buy. They had a long. They had a long. And yeah, it was mini buy the there after. Titans backups. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, they played this past weekend in Washington. They'll play in Tampa this week, and then they would play in Philly if uh, on short rest, by the way, because they're playing on Monday night. Um, the Eagles actually got a big favor from the schedule from the playoff schedule makers yeah. <laughs> because if they have to play the winner in that game, they're coming off short rest. It's a Monday night game too, so it's not like they'll get home on basically on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so it's a really short, it's, it's a short week of preparation. Mm-hmm. And then that game will certainly be on Sunday if they have to play the run of that game. And then if they play either the Seahawks or giants, uh, that game will probably be on Saturday. So that'll still yes. be a short week of rest for either of those two teams. Um, and also you're more than happy to get the Seahawks or giants, <laughs> you know, in, in, in your first playoff game, right. certainly more than happy to get either of those two teams. So yeah, it's it's like that's the benefit of getting the one seed in the first round by and home field advantage and all that stuff. Uh, and in this case, they get an extra uh, favor from uh, the schedule makers for putting that Buccaneers Cowboys game on Monday night. So rich to see an article on bloggingtheboys dot com about how it's not the most fair thing that oh yeah the Cowboys that, would have to that, play the gall they have the gall to write that kind of article just it's crazy insane. it's this is like <laughs> to me this is their penance that they have to pay for never having to play <laughs> and let me be clear because the short rest thing isn't a totally fair dis- uh, dis- uh descriptor because in theory they had to do that this year because uh, they did play a Thursday night road game not yeah. coming off a Thursday, but it was a Saturday. So they still had one extra day. Even when they finally have to be at a disadvantage, they still get an extra day, which is big. The extra day, I think, is like not insignificant. And again, they, yeah. they got to play the one game they had to do it in. They got to play against the Titans backups naturally. So, yeah, no one should be feeling bad at all for the Cowboys in if they get to the situation where they have to play in Philly on short rest. Like, I will cry them no tears. And not just because like they're a divisional rival and I don't like them, clearly, but just because like <laughs> you have this advantage every year that the Eagles have the Eagles have and other teams have tried to get out of the system where you do not get to host an automatic Thursday night game every single year. So eventually at some point you actually have to play from a Sunday to a Thursday, which again, the Cowboys literally never have to do at any time ever. I will not feel bad at them for them even a little bit. By the way, um, there was one point that was made and I, I can't believe I'm citing. It was made by Jason Garrett. <laughs> So oh, I no. can't believe I'm citing Jason Garrett for having for having made a good point, but he made the point that uh, the Cowboys, they're they're four, so they played five games on grass this year. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. That was a, you know, that's you know, very interesting. I want to talk to RJ about that. Yeah, that's very interesting. They're one and four yeah. in those games, and the one game they won was when was against the Titans when they rested their yes. starters. Um, so they played the Eagles were one. Uh, this past mm-hmm. weekend against the the against Washington, Jacksonville was the third, and Washington, Green Green Bay, oh, Green Bay so was okay. uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, they, mm-hmm. they and the reason that Garrett gave was because their defense <laughs> is built for speed, particularly their, their particularly their pass rushers, and that makes sense to me because they are like they they like the sort of the speedier uh, pass rushers as opposed to you know the guys that can win with power. Michael Parsons being an example A, of course, and Dorrance Armstrong fits in that category, maybe to a lesser degree, Demarcus Lawrence, but their their defensive tackles are are usually typically undersized and and, and quicker. Uh so that's a that's a actually a valid point in my opinion. 
uh, from Jason Garrett. And and yeah, I'd like to I'd like to hear what uh, RJ's yeah. uh, uh, take on that is as well. We'll have to listen to the mixtape, Jimmy. But he's a little closer to that team than we are, of right. course. But but that but that point did make sense to me. Well, I'll say from the Eagles side of things, I thought they were at a disadvantage on the turf in the Cowboys game, just from a standpoint of two, two things that stuck out AJ Brown on that first catch he had where he's streaking down the field. I feel like that mm, might be a yeah. touchdown. If it's at the link on the Cowboys stadium, he got tackled by the turf monster. Turf, turf monster. monster took him down. Yeah. <laughs> and then he was kind of like a little bit banged up after that. He still played, still had a good game, but he was not, he wasn't a little bit of pain after that too. And then Avante Maddox gets taken down. He's out. He's still hurt because he got taken down as mm-hmm. well by the turf monster. So I don't think that's totally, um, insignificant not to say um it's everything but it, it's definitely an interesting point worth noting it, it does seem like there might be something to that and yeah i mean the Cowboys are going to have to play on short rest potentially on grass in philly so those are some more advantages that you like in the eagle saver i want to just flip jimmy to what is like the dream scenario for the eagles and to be clear this isn't like hey what is the Eagles most favorable scenario to getting to the championship? It's like, let's say the Eagles are winning the Super Bowl. We're signing up for that. Like that's the assumed outcome of this. Situation. You already know this. You already know the Eagles won. Yeah. They, they won the Super Bowl. Right. How would you mo- most, yeah. what would be the most satisfying route right. to get there? Yeah. Someone, someone, you meet someone in hindsight, you meet someone and they're a, a, a fortune teller. Like they can see into the future and they, they're like, Hey, the Eagles won the <laughs> Super Bowl. And like in 2017, before the AFC championship game, you'd go, I hope the Jaguars beat the Patriots. So the Eagles don't have to play the Patriots. But then after it was all over, it's much more satisfying having beaten Tom Brady and the Patriots than Blaine Gabbert and the Jaguars. That's a good word. What is the most satisfying potential Eagles championship run? And I think mine has to be the NFC East throughout. It's very on brand, but I think it's, you play the giants, you beat them. Mm -hmm. You kind of, not that the Eagles have like struggled with the giants, but it kind of just really uh, reinforces that like the Eagles are, you know, they're the big boys here. Like Giants, you had a cute little season, but like, you know, maybe better luck next year. And it also kind of wipes out any kind of week 18, like, Oh, the Eagles, the Giants backups played the Eagles starters tough. Like some Giants fans are trying to say after that game. So that kind of wipes that out. And then uh, obviously I don't, I don't love the Cowboys getting to the championship game because then that meme can't die or it does die. Sorry. Uh, oh, were they having yeah. gotten there? Yeah. So that's annoying. But I mean, if the Eagles are beating them in it, then certainly, yeah, that's 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 honestly better because you want the Cowboys to get that hope. You want them to get like, oh, we're going to do it. This is finally it. Nope. And pull the rug out underneath from them or pull the football away uh, as uh, Lucy would do to Charlie Brown. And then in the Super Bowl, I think I have them beating Burrow. And this is probably a personal thing. I know a lot of mm. people would say Chiefs because, you know, Mahomes is like the best of the best. And the Eagles haven't beaten Andy yet, like I said earlier. And you have the the Hertz um, Mahomes MVP angle, although MVP, that'll be yeah, decided yeah. by then. But still, it'll be like, hey, Hertz really sure. should have been the MVP because he just beat the MVP. Uh, right. But for me, and I know the Bengals lost last year, so this is probably again an answer more to me. But this is the question uh, <clears throat> than others. But to me, Burrow scares me more than anyone. He just terrifies me. I think he's terrifying and the more I was thinking about it in terms of what happened in the AFC playoff picture and how the Bengals kind of get screwed there. I think I might be most afraid that he got screwed because I think that's going to be taken very personally. And I don't love that as like an extra fueling. And I took that very personally. (laughs) Well, he probably did. (laughs) Burrow has swag. He he definitely had swagger. Burrow's really good. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. No doubt. 
I, I thought he was going to light up the Bills, or at least have this huge game against the Bills before that game, you know, unfortunately got mm-hmm. uh, canceled on Monday night. Like, I I thought he, he's terrifying when he's on. And I know Mahomes is awesome, too. But I, I just feel like, I don't know. I just To me, Burrow is, is the one that I would like to take down because I just feel like that would be so legit. Uh, what's your path? So I have it a little bit different. I had the Cowboys first uh, take care of them in the divisional mm-hmm. round. I think that's all self-explanatory. Uh, in the conference championship game, I have the Vikings Ooh, back there. Okay. Again. Well, people would like that. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's that? People would like that for sure. I mean, it's funny how much of a whiny baby cry, like fan base that they like that was exposed from the last go around. I'm curious to see if they can top themselves uh, if that were to go down again in, in 2022. Um, and then I had the Chiefs as the yeah. uh, final. When, when I was looking at that, uh, when I was looking through, like, what would be the most satisfying Super Bowl win? I like the, the seven teams that are in the AFC playoffs. I don't mind any of them. Like, they all, they're all like, I wouldn't be object to any of them winning the Super Bowl. Um, I think the Ravens are kind of like boring. Yeah. So, like, they're, I don't like when they're, if they're on primetime, I won't go out of my way to watch them. But the other teams that are in the AFC, I think they're all kind of fun to watch, like the Chiefs and the Bengals and the Bills, of course. Uh, even the Dolphins, who like really sputtered down the stretch, they have so much speed on offense that they're kind of fun to You're watch. Getting someone. Um, who else? Yeah, well, I'm forgetting. Who's the other AFC here. division winner? Uh, who did I say so far? Chiefs, Bills, Bengals. Oh, and the Jaguars, Doug, of course. <laughs> yeah, Doug, old friend Doug. And I'm missing one wild card team. This was the season of that. Doug, by the way. Like Doug went out, Chargers proved he's Sorry. good, helped turn the team that had the worst record in two years in a row into division winners. Overcame the stupid Frank Reich was the only reason he was good. Frank Reich got fired this season. Clearly wasn't the case, <laughs> yes. and beat Frank Reich again. And then also Wentz falling apart, just further proving that it was not Doug who was like propped up by Wentz and. It was Doug who ruined Wentz, and Doug was only to blame. And once Wentz got away from Doug, he'd be no. Doug was always a big. I can't believe I have to say this, but I feel like I do. I feel like there was a lot of effort to discredit the Eagles Super Bowl winning head coach, their only one in franchise history, and for no good, no good reason either. Yep. Why? Why? Why would you want to take well, that away from him? He was like he was he was like such a nice guy and like here's very affable. Because it's always easier to blame the coach. It's, it, people don't want to blame players. I think that's that's there's a lot of truth to that. I really do. That's fair, and that's my pet peeve. And I, it was last week too. Even even like, well, the game plan was terrible. Minshew was okay, but the the game plan was terrible. I mean, Minshew was really bad. It's okay sometimes to say players are t- they're bad. They're not good. Not every player is good. Sometimes it's not just the. I know the coach. The coach is just the low hanging fruit because it's easier to blame the coach than it is the players. That's just my belief. I think you know what I think. The, I, I think the mentality on that is. I think that. Some people think they could do some aspects of what the coach can do. True. Whereas they can't do what the player can do. So they see a coach make a call that they wouldn't make, and they go, that guy's an idiot. Well, also, <laughs> you, you know? root for the player. You don't, like, root for the coach. Yeah. The same, at least, <laughs> also true. Like, you know, you get the yeah. player's jersey. You're not getting, like, the coach's, I don't know, whatever, visor. Like, yeah. So I think there's something to that. And that's not to say the coach is never to blame. Absolutely, the coach plays a role. But – I just think disproportionately coaches receive a lot of blame. And that was true with Doug. And I'm just happy mm-hmm. for Doug regardless. And, and I don't know if you saw the speech from, I think Andrew Wingard, uh, Jag safety, 
he had said earlier this year like that he would like die for Doug Peterson after a game because he I did see that. And yes. then yeah. most recently That's a safety too, by the way. That's not even yeah. like an offensive player that he's coaching directly. That's right. And most recently after this clinching for the, the Jags, the ASC South, he said Doug's like Doug's presence, uh his calming presence, uh his his sen- his his presence that gives the, the Jaguars a sense of calm and like peacefulness in the locker room. He's like, he's, there's something real to that. Just, I'm butchering the quote, but that's basically what he said. And he called Doug Peterson a general. He's like, when we have a general leading us, and there's something to that. Players love Doug, and I love to see it. Because Doug, yeah, by all accounts that we know, you know, easy guy to root for and did a lot of good things and was made to look like a buffoon by some, and I think he got the last laugh. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, I think, said something to the effect of um... – He's crediting Doug for uh, sort of restoring his confidence, but he said, I kind of lost my confidence there for, oh, a year or so. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> uh, under under Urban Meyer, of course. Yeah. I think it was more of a shot at Urban Meyer right. than it was. I mean, it was it was complimentary of Doug, sure. too. But yeah, the, your your general point that, and we saw it in Philadelphia, too, like his players loved it. it the players, they played hard for him, too. Yep. The players played hard during the Doug Peterson era, mm-hmm. even during that 2020 season when they were just awful they still had pretty good effort for the, for the majority of that season. And I think there's something to be said for what Doug is best at, which is like when all things else look hopeless and the Eagles were six and seven in both 2018 and 2019 came back both of those seasons to make the playoffs. They won the wild card in 2018 division in 2019. And then this year they were four and eight and to take them back to go on this five game winning streak to end the season to, to win the AFC South and the Titans had a huge lead Mm -hmm. on it. And to beat the Titans yeah. twice, and I know Josh Dobbs started in the second game, but still, uh, Dobbs wasn't even terrible. Like he, he was making some, especially early in the game, he was making some nice plays. Um, so yeah, I think, and I know it's what you're one game over 500, um, but also four of the six seasons that Doug has been in the NFL, they've made the playoffs in those seasons. They won the Super Bowl in one of them. Um, the one season was a seven and nine season, so just one game under 500. That was, his, and that was his first season taking over a bad Chip Kelly team. And then the mm-hmm. other one was just the disastrous 2020 season, which, you know, again, was he a big reason why that season was not successful? Sure. Was he the top reason or the only reason? No, I think it's, it should be. I, I don't know how anyone could argue that it wasn't like Carson Wentz after what we've seen of Carson Wentz at this point. Um, yeah. So I'm happy for Doug. As am I. Yeah. So anyway, I have the Chiefs because they're just kind of like the alpha dog of the year. Sure. Uh, yeah, I get that. Everyone's going to say that. I just think the Bengals are scary to me. I don't know. Again, not to say Mahomes isn't, but I don't know. I could just see, in my mind, Mahomes could be a little bit more erratic sometimes. Like a little, he's almost too good where where he like tries to get away with something he can't. Um, where I think the Bengals' weapons on offense are just yes. scarier than yes. the Chiefs too, which is kind of odd to say. Yes, because uh, we're just so used to the Chiefs being loaded. I mean, tra- I mean, Travis Kelsey is. Oh yeah. <laughs> one hell of a weapon, but you know Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, mm-hmm. like they have a, they have some they have some stud players on offense surrounding Burrow. Yeah, and um, I don't know. Like I'm, I was never the biggest Andy guy, even after he left. But not that I feel like bad for Andy, but I'm not also not like yeah, we need to beat Andy. Like like that doesn't give me. I'm not one of these you know like what WIP morning show uh, caller the dirty thirty callers who are or like Angelo. Like I'm not like. <laughs> Like, yeah, Andy needs to fail. I don't really care about that. Um, but yeah, that's like Andy, by the way, one of my crowning achievements as a reporter was he gave me uh 
Oh, that's a great question. Which he ne- like he's he's not that kind of guy. He doesn't really say that's a great question. He doesn't really often. say anything. But it was a it was a game where they had, I think it was just seven offensive linemen that were active. Yes, and, I remember uh, Two this. guys got hurt, and then so they were down to their last guy. And the two guys that got hurt definitely weren't coming back in. So I said, "Yeah, you lost so and so. You lost so and so. Who would have who would have uh, been your who would have played offensive line if you got another guy hurt?" <laughs> And he just said, he was like, that's a great question. <laughs> and I was like, and in my mind, like I, I wasn't even full time at that uh-huh. point because I wasn't full time until 2013. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he thought I had a good question. But he was basically like, uh, I remember this yeah, we would have just found some other fat guy. We, I think he said like we would have taken like the fattest <laughs> defensive lineman we could have found and just it was, put him it in was there. Cullen Jenkins would yeah. have, would have been would have played probably, offensive probably not line. a bad strategy him. if you just need an emergency. <laughs> just put the literally the biggest guy in there and just pray you can <laughs> right. keep someone away from your yeah. quarterback. Stick him in there, at guard, right guard. I mean, Jordan Davis can probably play <laughs> offensive line and like in a pinch like sure. that if he really had to, right? Like just, I mean, obviously, yeah, he I would, think so. If, over the course of a game, he would get dusted at some point. But yeah, if you're just talking about like emergency situation, ten snaps to end the game, he's big enough where you can at least probably keep him sure. away from you, you for a little it. bit. Yeah, especially if you're just running the ball yeah. at that point. Yeah, yeah, especially if you're running the ball. Yeah, you could freaking smash someone. But it uh, might actually be an asset. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think this has been a good episode uh, to finish off our BGN Radio regular season recap uh, pods. We will have a preview show for you later. Later, Not a true preview show and that the Eagles don't have a game, but we'll make some picks for the aforementioned games we talked about, and we'll see if there's mm-hmm. any Eagles news to get through. We probably... Speaking of which, sorry to cut you off. What, do you happen to notice what the uh, Jags-Chargers line is? I didn't see that. I did not look up the AFC. I only paid attention to the NFC. So I can look that up really I'll quick while up. we're talking. We continue. But I'll also say that we, um, uh, you know, we'll get into some, maybe some coaching news potentially. Jonathan Gannon connected once again to the Houston Texans job. He was reportedly considered a front runner at one point last year. Didn't happen. Seems like that could, you know, actually happen this offseason with Lovey Smith getting fired. Um, Jags are. One point dogs. Oh, baby. At home? Doug Peterson? Really? Underdog? In the playoffs? Chargers aren't that good. Uh, yeah, take the weird. point. Take the singular point. It's Doug. Yeah. As an I'm underdog? Over that one. Another thing, real yeah. quick on Doug. Last thing. Like, undeniably, has his teams playing very high-level competitive football at the end of seasons. The Eagles never, other than 2020, and including 2016, they never played weak and even in 2020, they did they did take the Cardinals down to the wire with Hurts starting, and they did beat the Saints, and they could have won in Week 17 if they really wanted to, probably at that point. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, tanked, which they should have done. That was smart. Um, but Doug always has his teams playing well at the end of the year, so you know that's kind of when it when it matters the most. The teams are. I'll hammer that underdog thing that good. worked for him in Philly. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, we'll get into you know any potential coaching news that we could see. Gannon will be a name to watch. Shane Steichen, obviously, I'm sure he'll be connected to some jobs. This is Black Monday, by the way. What do we have so far? Kingsbury's, Kingsbury's gone. Kingsbury's done. Lovey Smith is. We already knew Lovey Smith was going to be Lovey done. Lovey Smith is done. Matt Rule was fired in season. Uh, yeah. Nathaniel Hackett was fired in season. Broncos have been connected to Sean Payton already. Frank Reich, of course, was Frank fired Reich in was season. Frank Reich was fired in season. So it's going to be a lot of openings. There are only 13 teams this year with a winning record. Hmm. 
which means that I think the I think the commanders were eight, eight and yeah, one. They, they so they were the, the only, only team that were that was neither. Uh so that means there were uh eighteen teams with losing records. Well, how about that? Eighteen teams with losing records. So there's gonna there's gonna be some there's gonna be some guys that get canned. You have eighteen teams that let have losing records, it's not good. And to your point about the commanders, no losing teams in the NFC East this year. Not a single one. Yeah. That's pretty it's not bad. Uh, all right. We'll wrap this up. Again, we'll be back with you later this week. Check out the Bleeding Your Nation podcast feed, rate, review, subscribe. Again, we will have the NFC East mixtape, which, if you don't know, it's a podcast that I do with a dirty, dirty Cowboys fan, RJ Ochoa. And uh, I also believe we will have, uh, if, if things go well, Ed Valentine from Big Blue View on, which makes sense to help preview the you know uh, Vikings-Giants game in addition to the Bucks cowboys game. So we'll have that. Uh, a lot of other. It good, always brings the juice. He brings the juice. A lot of other good uh, shows on the feed. The SB Nation NFL show will be on Friday, and I mean that that show, Jimmy, makes a lot of sense to listen to from the standpoint of, you know, I cover the Eagles, RJ covers the Cowboys, and Stats covers the Forty ers You know, so we're like, this is like the NFC, yeah. you know, okay. power players here, all in one podcast, and kind of giving the insight <laughs> on that in addition to the rest of the league. So make sure you rate, review, subscribe to that show. And you can also watch us live on that one on YouTube. You want to check out RighteousSelling.com by going to RighteousSelling.com and using discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. If you're looking to buy, sell, or rent a house, you're going to call or text this phone number. 856-906-9295. Or you can go to RoachRealtors.com. Uh, I think that's all I have, you know, follow us on social media, all that stuff that's in the description here in the podcast description. So you can check that out and we'll be back with you later this week. Goodbye, everybody. P G N.